Welcome to the Dusty Jobs Podcast from Imperial Systems. Industry knowledge to make your job easier and safer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dusty Jobs Podcast. Today we have a very special edition with Charlie Miller. Charlie has been a longtime employee of Imperial Systems and used to write for our newsletter, the Dusty Jobs Newsletter, with an article called Good Luck With That. Charlie's article reflects on his time in the industry with fun stories. Now we're gonna move that into the podcast realm. Charlie is now gonna be doing campfire chats. So we hope you enjoy these stories from Charlie Miller. Thanks for joining us. Hi everyone. Welcome back to Camp Imperial. Put your camp chair up next to the fire. Grab a hot dog to roast. And let's set a spell for another campfire chat. Anyone a micro fan? He had a TV show called Dirty Jobs. On each episode, he would take us to some of the nastiest jobs you can imagine. I mean, who begins life saying they want to be a garbage collector or a city sewage worker when they grow up? No. We say we want to be astronauts and doctors, and even rock stars. But there are nasty jobs, and someone has to do them. But sometimes, these undesirable jobs can be very profitable. Let's face it, dust collection is all about cleaning up in dirty places, and over the years, I had to visit some nasty ones. I spent a large part of my career in Cincinnati, Ohio, Now, many people don't know this, but at one time in the early years, Cincinnati was known as Porkopolis. One of Cincinnati's earliest enterprises was a meatpacking center. Yeah, the pig farmers would drive their hogs right through the center of town to the stockyards. Legend has it that Cincinnati was where the phrase, when pigs fly, originated. Truth is, the folks in Cincinnati are proud of their Porkopolis heritage and pay tribute to the flying pigs. They helped make them a major metropolitan area. If you look hard enough, you can find tributes to flying pigs everywhere in Cincinnati. Watch out! There goes one right now! Yeah, they're cute little fellas, but you have to be careful about their droppings. The stockyards are still there in Cincinnati, and meatpacking is still a major business. I once had to visit one. They wanted a stainless steel hood and exhaust system installed over a large meat fryer. The fryer was in a room that had about 50 gutted hogs hanging from overhead conveyor hooks. The pigs were split open, but still had their heads and feet. I had to maneuver around these dead pigs to get my measurements done. Not only a nasty job, but a creepy one as well. I'm glad they gave me the white coat and hat to wear. I couldn't wait to get out of that room, and my customer knew it. He told me I should come back on Wednesday. I asked him why Wednesday. He said Wednesday was slaughter day. I declined the offer, but I did get the job. Speaking of meat packers, have you ever wondered how they make these skinless wieners? I was called into another people meat packer who made them. The wieners started out as a bunch of finely ground 
pinkish, gray, mystery meat. To which is added water, nitrates, preservatives, and a bunch of chemicals. Ugh. This pinkish meat mush, meat mush is then injected into a continuous sleeve that's twisted every four to five inches to form the wiener. This continuous string of wieners then goes through a cooking process that solidifies the wieners into the form we see in the stores. After exiting the cooker, the wieners are uh, the wiener sleeves are slit longitudinally, allowing the wiener to separate and fall out, sending them to packaging, while the slit sleeves, still dripping with juices from the cooking process, is sent to waste. That's why I was there. The wet sleeves went from went to a chopper and then sent outside to a cyclone receiver over a compact. The cyclone was wearing out and had to be replaced. Since there was no information on the cyclone, I once again had the field measured. It was in the middle of July and the discarded sleeve material that was already collected in the compactor had turned rancid in the summer heat. It also attracted a bunch of bees that were swarming around the cyclone. It just goes to show that our food suppliers also have some nasty jobs. Speaking of, uh, speaking of nasty places, have you ever wondered where all the roadkill animals you see along the highway go? After they're picked up by the highway department, many of them are sent to the rendering plant, commonly known as the glue flat. Sorry, glue factory. While glue is one of the byproducts of rendered animals, Many other common products begin with organically rendered uh, materials, including pet foods, lubricants, soaps and shampoos, paints and elastomers, and even explosives. Did you know your favorite gelatin is made from rendered animal bones? While rendered organics are recycled into many useful products, visiting one of these facilities is not a pleasant experience. Along with the dead animals, other organic materials are rendered, including all the rancid cooking grease collected from restaurants. They're all thrown into a big vat for processing. The odor is horrendous. One visit is enough to ask for a pay raise. Coming in a close second to rendering plants, I think, are chicken processing plants. Have you ever driven by one in the summer? It makes you think twice about dining at the Colonel's house. Another place with similar attributes is the good old Metropolitan Sewer Plant. This is the place where all the toilets flush to. Can you imagine what it's like to work there? The MSD was one of my regular clients, and I affectionately referred to them as the turd grinder. One memorable job I was involved with was to make and install stainless steel drip pans under the miles of overhead process piping running through the sewage plant. Understandably, the sewage workers did not want any of that stuff leaking on them should a pipe joint spring a leak. It was a nasty place to visit, but I've been told some funny tales from the workers. You would be surprised at some of the things people flush down their toilets. And the people who work at the MSD have seen it all. Chemical plants have their own nasty characteristics to cope with. A large petrochemical plant along the banks of the Ohio River has miles of stainless steel duct that runs through its various product production buildings. The duct system is about 
20 feet above ground level so traffic can drop underneath. And it is used to transfer waste to a centralized filter. They call this their sewer in the sky. Periodically, sections of duct we corrode from the, from the materials being conveyed and need to be replaced. This usually requires specialized clothing and respirator masks to be worn when replacing the duct. In midsummer, working from elevated man lifts in hot protective gear is not much fun. A number, another chemical plant I also did work for made acetylic acid, which is better known as aspirin. They have one multi-story building with a large enclosure in the center where the acid is condensed into a usable form. Over time, condensed residue would build up and solidify on the inside of this enclosure wall, causing them to deform. The ductwork would also close with the same material which required both the panels and duct to periodically be replaced. Every few years, I would go into that building to field measure the panels and duct that needed replaced. Aspirin is a beneficial pain and fever reliever, but in the condensation process, a fume is generated which caused my eyes to water and burn within minutes. I would often need to leave, leave the area just to clear my eyes of tears. It amazed me that people could even work in that building every day. <clears throat> Chemical companies are not the only place that cause your eyes to water. Going into soon, some food processing plants will cause the same problem. I once visited a spice plant that was making hot sauce. They had a large 1,500-gallon vat where they cooked the hot peppers and other ingredients to make the sauce. The top of that was covered with a canopy hood and ducted to a roof-mounted exhaust fan that distributed the cooking fume up into the atmosphere. They called me because they needed a replacement exhaust fan and had no idea what volume or horsepower they needed. To determine this, I had to visit the plant and examine the fan. Now, the stairway up to the roof was in the same room that housed the cooking vat. By the time I reached the top of the stairs, tears were streaming from my eyes. After inspecting the fan's nameplate, I was able to determine the volume and horsepower required for the replacement. The fan was badly corroded, and I assumed it to be very old. But I could tell it had a stainless steel housing. I told them that I could get a stainless steel replacement fan, but then they told me they needed to apply, I needed to supply something better than stainless steel. The fan I was replacing was less than two years old. Now that's some serious hot sauce. I had a similar experience in a mustard company where horseradish sauce was one of their products. In the horseradish room, several workers sorted the roots by hand and fed them into a washing process. From there, they were fed into a machine that finally grated the root to be made into the sauce. Tubs of grated horseradish were stacked in carts all along the room, awaiting for the next step in production. My eyes watered immediately upon entering the room. Except for one single wall-mounted exhaust fan, the room had no ventilation at all. No wonder the workers were crying for a ventilation system. Perhaps the dirtiest place I've visited are coal-generated power plants. These plants are full of conveyor belts shuffling coal from one transfer tower to another and creating a coal dust nightmare. Even with a well-designed dust collection system, it is all but impossible not to come out of the transfer tower 
without having black coal dust on your clothes. I once visited a power plant with a co-worker to see what we would need to do to install a dust collector on the top of a coal transfer tower. We knew we would need a large crane to set the equipment. The tower was nearly 80 feet tall. Now there was a rigging company nearby, so we decided to stop in after we left the power plant to see if they could help us. Before we left, we used the compressed air hose provided to blow the cold dust off our clothes. Satisfied with our cleaning efforts, we drove over to the rigging company. We entered the building and crossed the lobby to the receptionist desk. She greeted us coldly and told us no one was currently in the office to help us. And we wondered what we did to offend her. When we turned around, we saw two tracks of black footprints across the lobby carpet, leading right up to where we stood. Who puts light page carpet in the lobby of a building anyway? I'm rarely required to visit nasty places anymore, but if you think I miss it, oh, well, good luck with that. Hey, thanks for visiting, and come back again for another Campfire Chat. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this time with listening to Charlie's stories. If you're interested in hearing more of them, you can go read Charlie's article, Good Luck With That, on our website. If you're interested in more podcasts and other information, you can follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and most other social media platforms. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Dusty Jobs Podcast. Breathe better, work safer.